Good morning and welcome to the second worship service of the North Brevard Church of Christ. It's so great to see everyone. I don't think I've had dress clothes on since February. <laughs> I'd like to read a few verses from Psalms. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing to the glory of his name. Offer him glory and praise. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to your holy name. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. Please bow with me. Dear Lord, we are thankful to come together to worship you. Some of us are able to assemble as a family inside the auditorium, 
and so out on the orange carpet for the first time in a, in a long time. Father, we, we can understand how your people have been through captivity when they were kept from their homeland, kept from the, the land of their fathers. We know how your disciples and such felt when they were imprisoned. Not so much the, the torture of that, but just the fact that they were away from those they, they loved and, and such. We're thankful we can be united. We know it's not always uh, favorable for everybody to be out and about. Father, we're thankful for the ability to worship at home for those. We're thankful for tools that are set aside, set, up, set in play long ago, things like Facebook Live and YouTube and the Internet. We're thankful for uh, both the efforts that went to making a, allowing us to live stream, but also the wisdom that it needs to be done to help those who can't be out and about yet. And the wisdom to say, we need funds for this. And um, you know, with, as the elders, the okay to say, just make it happen. Father, we are very mindful of those who can't be out and about and hope to see them healthy where else all part of this. Father, we ask for your blessing on this great nation. We ask for your blessing on the, uh, the government to help, to help the people. We ask for your blessings on but honestly, the people. There's a period of unrest right now, and uh, we know that we are all created in your image. Helps to make a difference. Help us to love one another. That's it. You, your plan is the best plan. It always has been and always will be. Help us to love one another. Father, we ask for your blessings on the missionaries, those who are... Um, Barry Rosie in Venezuela, the uh, orphanage, the Betacar Orphanage in Madagascar, um, Gary Wider with the work that he does in the prisons. Dennis and the work that's being done in Nicaragua. Father, we ask for your many blessings on um, each one of us as we reach out to our friends and families and help to share the gospel, the good news about your son and the saving grace that it can be to each one of us. Father, we ask that you be with those who are sick, those who are facing uh, very tough times, um, top of my list right now, I know, is, is Mitzi Robinson. Please, please be with her as uh, she begins her cancer treatment this week. May it be successful. May she uh, stay strong and faithful through it all. Father, we ask that you be with each one of us. To keep us strong. Keep us faithful. Keep us in your name. Help us to share your love far and wide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, I wanted to read from Isaiah 53. I think it's such an important scripture even right now. Starting in verse 1 says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Now, this is the part that I think is important for today. That part's important every day. This part's important for today. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own, own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you at this moment like we do every Sunday. And we think about the sacrifice that your son made on the cross, that that eternal wisdom, that, that eternal power that started from the foundations of creation, the choices of humanity that led to that, that climax, that culmination, where Jesus took on the sin, the pain, the suffering of the entire world upon himself. And Father, I can tell you that there's not a single person in this world that would ever want to experience that day. The punishment, the pain, the suffering that he endured for us. But God, we're grateful. And we celebrate it. We still celebrate that day. We still celebrate that suffering. We still celebrate that pain because through it, it brought us peace with you. All we have to do is accept him. And that's why we take this in honor of him and remembrance of that sacrifice. So God, we thank you for this time where we could uh, take this meal and share in this moment together and think about what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I don't usually have to chew in a microphone. Um, <clears throat> let's pray for the blood, the fruit of the vine. Father God, we come before you again, and Lord, we're just grateful for 
the blood of Christ. God, it's, um, we know your scriptures made it very clear that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But it took blood. It took a sacrifice, a pure sacrifice, an unblemished lamb. And, and Lord, there was nothing else in all of earth and all of creation and all of existence that was unblemished besides you. There wasn't an angel you could have sent. There wasn't a person on earth that you could have sent. It was just your son. And Father, we know that that blood is what sets us free. That blood that was shed on the cross that day is what constantly, continually through all of our life, through all of existence, is constantly washing away the sin of mankind. Father, we're grateful for that as a whole. We're also grateful for that as individuals because we still make bad choices. As much as we want to follow you, Paul says, I want to follow you, but make choices that don't. God, you fill that gap. You fill that gap with your blood. And we're grateful for that. We will never, in all of our power, we will never try to take advantage of that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will not be passing around a basket. There are boxes on the back wall that you can put your offering in. You will notice that they are um, college football coordinated. Um, for some reason, the Florida State one's in the corner. Uh, but that's where all my money's going. Thank you. Shall we stand? In my life, Lord, be I'll be reading 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know what happened to our ancestors who followed Moses. They were all under the cloud and all went through the sea. They were all baptized as followers of Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink.
They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Y'all look good. There's an old story about a, a very rich man who owned a corporation that was very large. And he would invite people over for this big bash. And at the end of the big bash, he would take them down to this huge swimming pool that had a shark in it. And he'd look at him and said, anybody brave enough to jump in that end of the pool and outswim the shark to this end of the pool, I'll give you their $10 million, a third of my corporation, or my daughter's hand in matrimony. And about that time, he heard a splash in the pool, and he's looking, and this guy's swimming for all he's worth, and the shark is closing in, but he gets out just in time. My dad says, you want, you want the $10 million? He said, no. He said, you want a third of my corporation? He said, no. He said, you want my daughter's hand in matrimony? He said, no. He said, what do you want? He says, I want the guy who pushed me into the pool. <laughs> All this that is happening it's because we, we have four guys that have worked their fingers to the bone. Everything we've done today is according to CDC guidelines to keep people safe. And for weeks they've been handing out the Lord's Supper outside to make sure that everybody could tune in to worship. So uh, when you see a, one of our elders, give him a pat on the back and let him know how much you appreciate it. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So, Mo so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cries out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. And I will stand before you by the rock at Horum, and strike the rock, and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Masad and Meribah 
because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come before you as your people. At a time when we're together and at a time when we're suffering. We ask for your continual guidance and help and allow us to, to be drawn closer to you. I ask that you help me get out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Meet Jeffrey Zacks, Dr. Jeffrey Zacks, Ph.D. He teaches at the University of Washington in St. Louis. It's not the big one. But his specialty is event cognition. Now, what that is is a big word that means whenever you decide to do something, there's a little electrical charge that goes to a different place in your brain. And he's been studying that by seeing which part of the brain lights up. In one of his papers, he started out this way. Is it me? Or are there a lot of us looking for a quick fix? There is something compelling about the idea of a a secret switch which we can flip and suddenly be smarter, faster, fitter, and better without paying a price to get there. He goes on to talk about a, a company that started from nothing, zero customers. And they came up with a bunch of games and then guaranteed their people if they would play their games for one year, they would be as smart as a college graduate. By the time they were done, they had 50 million customers, but that's when the authorities caught up with them. They tested some of the people who had been playing their games for a year, and they weren't as smart as college graduates. So they made them quit the business and pay a huge fine, and today they're not on the internet any longer. But wouldn't it be neat? I started thinking about getting ready for sermons. Wouldn't it be neat if all I had to do was take a pill on Wednesday or Thursday, and then by Sunday everything had come together in my mind and, and I was ready? And I didn't have to research, and I didn't have to look up stuff. But then I wouldn't be paying the price. And there are no shortcuts. At the end of World War II, some of the German people found out what their country had been doing. And according to the experts, the women are the first who complained about it. They went to their husbands and said, how could you be part of this? And the husbands said, well, the soldiers told us and the wife said, why did the soldiers tell you? And they went to the soldiers and they looked up and said, how could you make us do stuff like this? And they said, the sergeant gave us the orders. And they went to the sergeant and the sergeant would say, they'd say, what, how'd you make us do these things? And the sergeant would say, well, it came from the officials up. And the officials up didn't want to say the Fuhrer did it. 
so it was left open. That's when a guy named Gutner Rutenberg decided to write a play about the whole thing and why Germany did the things they did. And what he came up with was a play named The Sign of Jonah. And his conclusion was this. If God was against it, he would have stopped it. Now you've heard that. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Synagogue has a shooter who comes in and kills 11 to 13 men and women. And the reporter comes up and talking to the rabbi says, why didn't God stop this? It hasn't only affected things like that. It's affected our faiths. There are churches that are called feel-good religions. What they say is, if you become a follower of the person that they think that you ought to become, you will have zero money problems, you'll never grow sick, you'll never have aches, you'll never have pains, nothing will go wrong in your life, everything will come up roses all the time. A lot of people go that way. Then there are some religions that teach suffering really doesn't exist. It's in your mind. So if you're suffering and going downhill, if you're really having pains, it's because you believe you're suffering. It's not really happening. And you say, that's just kind of ridiculous. I don't think it'll ever come here. It is here. There are religions out there that will say, you don't really suffer. God wouldn't let you suffer. But you've got to get your thinking right. And so they go on with trying to get you to think in the proper way. And then there's Job's friends. Job goes through some suffering and the friends come and they say, Job, you know why everything's falling apart in your life? You must have sinned. And Job said, no, I didn't. They say, yes, you did. And they go back and forth and back and forth. But there's a flip side to this one. Doug, I'm going to give him the credit of entering the lottery. He gave me an okay. He doesn't really do that. I'm just pinning it on him, so... I want to keep his and he wins the lottery. Million dollars, he gets this great big check that, check that no bank will cash. And you sit there and say, Doug, how'd you do it? And he says, I guess I'm living right. It's that same religion just with the flip side of the coin. If you live right, everything comes up roses. That's what's happening as the people of Israel move. In chapter 14, they finally get their freedom from Egypt. And in chapter 15, it's known as the Song of Moses. Moses' sister Miriam's the one who leads it, but they sing back up all the great things that just happened. 
because Moses led them through the sea. But by the end of chapter 15, they're complaining about the water. It doesn't taste good. They don't like it. And Moses has to throw a, a log into the water to sweeten it. I understand this kind of, you don't want to drink the water. Sue's family had an aquifer that took water off the coal mines and it had sulfur in it. And it didn't taste good. It wasn't my favorite thing to drink. But they get there and no sooner does God take care of the problem and set them up with a place that's really great. Elam is what I call the vacation resort of the Old Testament. It's got 12 springs. So you can drink all the water you want. It's got 70 palm trees. So you can eat all the coconut that you want. And it's got the shade and they're sitting there and everything is great until chapter 16. And in chapter 16, they're hungry and they don't have enough food and they complain again to Moses, have you brought us out here that you're going to starve us to death? And again, God answers them by sending manna. And they eat manna, cost them nothing. They can make it any way they want. They gather it six days a week and they can eat all they can put in their stomachs. Well, God settled that one, and then we come to this one. Riffidim is one of the more famous places. In Riffidim, it says the people were thirsty for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said... Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of this? Now, this isn't one of those things where you're just complaining. They have made the accusation, you brought us out of Egypt for one purpose, to kill us. That's why Moses in the next verse says, God, we've got to do something. They're about to stone me to death. They've made the accusation. There, there are only two reasons at this point, haven't had the law of Moses, that you would die. And one is murder. And if they brought us out here to kill us, Moses is guilty of it and he should die. And then the Lord said, to Moses, pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take with you in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Now it gets interesting. This is from God in the dock. It's a C.S. Lewis book. And Doc 
doesn't mean the place that you pull your boat into in England. It is the place that an accused sits for a trial. Behold, I will stand before you there. Now, if you have a, a version, underline this on the rock at Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. I am going to stand on the rock. Commentators think that it was probably the pillar of clouds. I'm going to stand on the rock, and then I want you to hit the rock. There's no way to hit the rock without hitting the cloud. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul does something unique. He rewrites this section that we've been reading. It's on the bottom of your insert. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. What God did at Rephidim was give them a visual example of how far he would go for us. It's God saying... I'll take your sufferings. I'll take your pains. I'll take your hurts. I won't leave you in that condition. And the final payment who would take them all, as Matt read, was Jesus. That would all come down on him. It is his pain. Every pain that he felt was ours. Because the rock was Christ. This morning, if you've never baptized, been baptized, or repented and been baptized for the remission of sins, we can do that. So if there's a way that we can help you get there, won't you come? Why together we stand and why we sing.
Good morning. Thank you, Mike. It's, uh, it's kind of nice in two months. I haven't been out of sneakers, a t-shirt, and a pair of shorts, so it's kind of, I had to go hunt stuff down I needed to wear this morning, and uh, it's kind of different. Um, appreciate everybody being here. You can see things are uh, quite different from what's transpired over the past two months, but you notice how bright the image is on the projector? Got a new projector. Um, also a new video camera for streaming and things like that. Mike, uh, 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 Steve, and help from Doug and Mike that have been working busy. So we've been busy getting some enhancements made, took advantage of some of this time. Looks much better. Uh, new boxes for contribution when, after closing prayer. If you have a, a, something that you want to give, uh, there's four boxes, one by each of the exits, so that you can just, just drop it in there. We've kind of, kind of made it easy. The whole idea behind that, and particularly what we did with the communion, is instead of passing things around from hand to hand, we tried to make it where we're as isolated as we can, so we tried to think through most of those things that we could. You see that we have a somewhat abbreviated um, song service, and, and all that was to minimize the time that we could expose ourselves to each other in, in the idea of trying to keep everybody as healthy as we can. There's a lot of folks that, um, that have had things happen to them during, during our two months that we were apart. Uh, Gloria Hill, she's back in the hospital again. She likes cards. She can't talk very well, but she does like cards. Mitzi Robinson, um, since we, we met, she's been diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. Uh, it's an aggressive stage. She's going to go through chemo, treat, chemo treatment starting this week. So keep her in your prayers and everything like that. So uh, she's actually looking forward to it and moving ahead. Uh, the uh, nobles are looking forward to moving back into their home. Remember, their house burned down. So they're getting close to that as far as moving back in. Sue Underwood. Um, she had what, what's termed as a mini-stroke. She has a blockage in one of the blood vessels in her eye, and occasionally it's blocked and occasionally it isn't blocked. Well, that's been giving her severe pain. They didn't figure out what it was until she went up to Tennessee, and she had an episode, and they went in, and they diagnosed the problem. So at least they know what the problem is now. Calvin Nobles, he had a, a pump installed to pump the fluid out of his left lung, so he's going through really difficult times. Lex Pierce, he's still in a lot of pain in his hip. He thought it was his hip. And they gave a, a shot in his hip, and they said, okay, that should stop it. His pain went away for a little bit, and then it came right back, and so it's not his hip. So now they're looking at his knee. So be with him, and they're trying to isolate the problem with Lex. Carol O'Neill, she had a plate in her ankle, you know, because of problems that she had. It broke. So she's been having that problem. And other people have had problems. Rita Smith, she has leg pain. She's with her, here with us this morning, but she has leg pain. Brenda Scott, as everybody knows, she's she's looking at borrowed time right now. She continues to decline. Gail Griffin, just another thing for Gail. Gail's got problems with her heart. She's got problems breathing and like that. She's got a rash. So keep her in your prayers as well. Uh, we've had people who've lost loved ones. Doug's lost her sister during this particular time frame. Um, Nora Nall lost her husband during this particular time frame. So a lot of things have transpired. Pick a bulletin up. Um, please look at what's in there. Keep those people in your prayers. And there's also on the front of the bulletin a list of whether you should stay home, whether you should come. If you decide to come, we'd love to see you here. But if you're at risk, you really ought to consider whether you want to come and possibly expose yourself or not. But we're glad you're all here this morning. Right. And please.
Will you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for giving us the capability to come back together and provide a way for us to share with those that aren't able or willing to come. And please keep us all safe and be with this nation. Help us to grow in your will, in your name. Amen.